Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You have a vision for your business. Your priority might be to expand facilities or bring in the best talent. At Century Insurance, we listen, learn, and work to understand your business and your plans to help protect your new locations. As your business evolves and your vision comes true, Sentry, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Sentry.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available on all states. See policy for complete coverage details. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. When Bet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of when Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest, who you know, who you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, we've been trying to divine which of Denver's two, uh, technically they have three, but two former starting inside linebackers the team might have designs on keeping because you can't figure they're going to let both their starting off-ball guys leave, especially when Baron Browning's really your only guy. Jonas Griffith showed it good toward the end, but we got our answer, at least in part today, when Mike Kliss reported that the Broncos and Josie Jewell are showing a mutual interest in uh, bringing him back. And they're going to talk with the agent at the combine this week. Your thoughts. I mean, I'd, I'd throw Kenny Young in there as well as a candidate to come back, but you know, he, he Josie Jewell, he's, he's a lunch pail workman like kind of guy. You know, he does his job. Well, he's an early down thumper, a little exposed in pass coverage. You know, he's an okay blitzer, sure tackler. I mean, I'd bring him back on a short term deal. But I'm not in the Josie Jewell fan club. He's not the future inside linebacker to me. Baron Browning is more of the future than Josie Jewell ever was. So I would like him in that capacity. He's cheap insurance. He's a veteran. You know, he's been around. He's he knows the team well. He wouldn't break the bank. I wouldn't be opposed to it, you know. But there's the bigger fish in the inside linebacker market. They might go after Devondre Campbell from Green Bay. You know, you have Hackett and out in here now, that's a guy who's the future. That's a guy who has upside. That's a guy you build around. To me, Josie Jewell isn't that guy. But for $4 million bucks, whatever, $5 million bucks, I'm I'm okay with it. Whatever he might lack in some of those athletic departments, the argument for Josie Jewell is that he makes up for it with his intangible skills, Zach. And I think it's pretty cool here um, it, to have it kind of laid out, as Bob did in the report here at milehighhuddle.com, Kind of his uh, career arc as a Denver Bronco in 2018 is a fourth-round pick. Under Vance Joseph, he starts nine games, comes away with 58 tackles, having played 43% of the defensive snaps. The next year, which is when Fangio arrives, he uh, only played 22% of the snaps, started three games, 21 tackles, so kind of a step back. But in 2020, impressed in training camp, 
earns the starting job, plays 93% of the defensive snaps, finishes north of 100 tackles with five for a loss. And then going into 2021, of course, hopes were high, and he was reinforcing those hopes, Zach, with some pretty quality play, although it was such a small sample size, we can't really draw too many conclusions from it before he tore that peck. So, you know, he's valuable. Is Do, do you throw crazy money at him? Probably not. I think Bob kind of sketched out maybe something similar to the deal Todd Davis got when he left the Denver Broncos in 2018, $15 million, uh, with $6 million guaranteed, something like that. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, I, I just – if it's one of those things where if you bring back Josie Jewell, you're pretty much plugging a hole. So you're not shoehorned into going inside linebacker in the draft or overspending on someone like Devondre Campbell. If they don't want to, they haven't really prioritized inside linebacker under the Vic Fangio regime. Maybe it's different under the Evero regime and the Nathaniel Hackett regime. They'll go, they'll go big for a uh, inside guy. Again, I wouldn't mind him as depth. He's an experienced guy, but he's, a, he's, I mean, you, Listed off the stats, that screams two down inside linebacker. It doesn't scream sideline to sideline, three down game changer. That's what the Broncos defense needs. I I like having a lunch pail guy, you know, every sprinkle him in every every now and then, but I don't want that guy to be the starting inside linebacker. If those who don't think Baron Browning is ready, then you need a game changer in the middle of your defense. I don't think Josie Jewell is changing many games. I'm trying to think on the defensive side, was it only Bill Kalar? No, CP, Chris Parker stayed. Different linebackers coach, Reggie Herring bounced. I wonder who it is advocating really for Josie. Must be George Payton, to be honest with you. George Payton must like what he saw, and he's probably convinced the coaches there that Josie would be a valuable guy. Lots to talk about tonight, you guys. we got Russell Wilson um, reports from a bona fide insider. What's up, Dylan? Good to see you. And, yes, guys, while you're here with us, hit the like button, especially if you're on YouTube or Facebook helps us out a ton. It's a small thing you can do. Uh, just saying hi to a few folks. Diamond Rattler in the house. Good to see you. Uh, James Hyatt, what's up? Kathy Lund, what's up, Kathy? feel like it's uh, it's been a minute. Great to see you. Uh, Opethian, Opethian, what's up? Colin Wood, good to see everybody in the chat. Hope everyone has had a great weekend. And Zach, we're kicking off a uh, we're kicking off what's going to be an interesting week where we're going to hear some rumors flying. You're going to have GMs, coaches, and agents all together in one city at the NFL Combine. This is the place where deals oftentimes uh, at least get consummated. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Aaron Rodgers swoop in this week in what is a new cycle driven by the draft and driven by the GMs and the coaches getting to stand up at the Combine and uh, reveal his intentions, but perhaps we shouldn't get our hopes up. Uh, Oi, boy, 90. What's up, dude? Thank you. Yes, me first in the gimme gimme's. Oh, to black flag. You got it. See, this is my brother in punk rock. He knows the score, but Zach, am I, am I getting people's hopes up by saying maybe this week for A-Rod? No, because that's what uh, ESPN's Diana Rossini reported within the next week, and that was a few days ago. I think that was like Thursday or so. So I think it's going to happen during the Combine, and I still think he's staying in Green Bay or retiring, but I think more than likely staying with the Packers. And if you announce it during the Combine, would you really announce your intention to seek a trade or your intention to walk away from the game during that event? Wouldn't you want the spotlight to yourself? So if you follow those breadcrumbs, you throw enough tinfoil on your head, Maybe that would lead you to believe that Aaron's going nowhere. I I think it's more likely right now that Green Bay gives in. They're working like mad to create cap space. They're going to pay him probably $50 million a year on a two-year deal. And, you know, uh, best of luck with that. I hope it works out well. It doesn't seem like he's going to be traded, though. So the dream is slowly dying. They would be idiotic to not do anything they could to keep Aaron Rodgers uh, for the last few years of his career because – We've seen what the desert is like for NFL teams sans a proven quarterback, let alone. I mean, I'm watching last night, Zach, I rented on Amazon Prime, the uh, Kurt Warner movie, uh, American Underdog. And by the way, I'm only about halfway through it. So far, so good. It's a very good movie. Not as much football on the front end as you might expect. It's more kind of laying the groundwork of his um, relationship with his wife and, and all this and that. I didn't know he married a single mother. That surprised me. Um why did I bring up Kurt Warner? I'm trying to remember now. I just went on a tangent. But either way, guys, go check out that movie because it's pretty dang good. 
Um, dude, why was I talking about that? <laughs> We're movie? not getting paid by Kurt Warner <laughs> or the oh, Amazon. Oh, Garden. oh, oh, I know why. Sorry. Um, I start getting into like the dramatic performances and I, I missed the, the point here. Uh, he lays out in the beginning opening monologue and why then we're going to grab you, Big Doc, how hard it is to even get a Division One scholarship and then to go from a Division One scholarship to getting drafted in the NFL. And then from going to the NFL to, uh, especially as a quarterback, not only earning a starting job, but then becoming a, a pro bowler or an all pro, winning a Super Bowl, being a, a MVP, all these statistics, it's so improbable, right? Well, the Packers have one of those improbable miracles right now. Yeah. They're, why would you let him go unless he straight up forces his way out? And that's what we're all waiting to find out. Does he is he just wanting a better deal from the Packers, a little bit more TLC, warm and fuzzy, Zach, or is he angling to kind of continue his legend somewhere else? We think it's probably going to be he sticks around, but we won't know till we know. I, I just don't see him forcing a trade. I feel like if he was going to do that, it would have been done by now. Certainly when the franchise tag period started earlier this week, certainly when teams were formulating their plans at quarterback, I feel like he'd want to get a jump on that. Um, you can follow the breadcrumbs. I think at 39 years old, he wants the the accolade of being the highest paid quarterback in league history. He wants to take, I feel like he was disrespected by Patrick Mahomes landing that mega deal because I feel like in Aaron Rodgers' mind, he's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes is. He has the Super Bowl just like Patrick does, and they're both future Hall of Famers. Um, I don't know. I just think based on the way the Packers are moving as well, they seem to want to give in. And they they lose a lot of the leverage because they don't have a capable successor at quarterback. Jordan Love is not capable. If they had, if it was Alex Smith and Mahomes situation, if they had a Mahomes waiting in the wings, that's one thing. They could say, listen, Aaron, we're going to pay you this at 39. We're not going to go to 50. Take it or leave it. We have a guy that we want to uh, get some work in as well. But they don't have that situ situation. Jordan Love is a far cry from that, and they're going to – give in to Aaron for one more year and hope that $50 million can buy them a Lombardi. We'll see. But he's becoming a version of the guy he replaced. The only difference was yeah, what Favre was, is he going to retire, right? Every year for like four years before he got dealt. And then after he got dealt, it was, is he going to retire? It was like, seriously, Zach, you think you're feeling um, Aaron Rodgers fatigue now? I mean, what it was like covering the NFL or even paying attention to the NFL uh, the last decade of Brett Favre's career. Talk about fatigue. I'll say the last five years of his career. Wyatt Horning, what's up, bro? Good to see you. Thank you. He says, Jewel is our best inside linebacker and the most underrated player on the team. All good, though. My Hawkeyes never get the credit they deserve. I definitely think he's he's one of the more underrated guys. Um, but if all we really can go off of is that last full year as a starter, to me, that's, you know, three and a half to five million dollars a year caliber linebacker play that he provided the Broncos in 2020. Now, 2021, Zach, it was looking like he might be turning some kind of a corner, even though it's fair to say Josie's pretty limited in terms of he's not going to become, uh, you know, Roquan Smith overnight. But it's about three and a half to five million bucks, which is why I think Bob's right in terms of the type of deal they might strike with uh, with Josie's camp, something like three years, 18 million only the first year guaranteed, and then, you know, team has options to see whether or not they bet on the right horse. I would still argue that Tim Patrick is the Broncos' most underrated player, even after getting paid. He doesn't get the respect that he deserves, and maybe even Javante Williams as well. Listen, I'm not saying Josie Jewell's a bad linebacker. He's a good guy to have. I would not mind bringing him back, but you have to acknowledge that he's not the future. That's why you'd bring him back on a short-term or prove-it deal. And I personally – after seeing the success of teams around the NFL, the Buccaneers especially, I want that game-changing, active, you know, blitzkrieg at inside linebacker. And they don't have that athlete. They don't have that type of player. And Josie Jewell is not that. You can argue maybe even Baron Browning is not that. You might want to look to the first round of the draft to get that guy. But situational, two down, early down, stop the run, you know, a couple million bucks, whatever, guaranteed, I'm fine with it. But just acknowledge the fact he's not a long-term solution and you need a long-term solution at that spot, finally. Like right tackle. It's the same situation. Keep you mentioned on. the team kind of having a reluctance to invest in inside linebackers for the better part of the last 10 years. I think that was more of a John Elway thing than it was any of the coaches that were here. It wouldn't surprise me to see a different philosophy, perhaps, as we start getting some draft classes stacked up and a sample size for George Payton to analyze in retrospect. Leroy, what's going on, big dog? Mile high salute. Right back 
at you. Far as edge rusher, do you think we should pick one at nine or get Landry, Harold Landry from Tennessee? For me, I'd get that offensive tackle from NC State at number nine. Zach, what's your answer for it? I have a really good Kelberman's corner coming where I, I kind of give my my thoughts on which players in the free agent class the Broncos should splurge on. There's a few that are realistic, a few that are just, you know, ideal scenarios. My guy, if you don't want to go after Randy Gregory or Hassan Reddick as a as a as a you know plan B, I'm throwing serious money at Chandler Jones. This is a guy who's had double digit sacks in like the last I think it's like seven or eight years minus 2020 when it was ruined by injury. That is the guy that you want at outside linebacker. That is a game changer. And that I think he fits perfectly because he can play in four, three or three, four. He's good against the run. He's obviously good at get, getting after the quarterback. That's a guy who would thrive under Evero thrive under the mindset and the culture and the scheme they're building in this new Denver defense. It's not the Vic Fangio defense anymore. They might, you know, bend, but don't break, but they're going to get after the quarterback. Now they're going to force turnovers. They're going to change the game and take over the game. And Chandler Jones is one of the best players in the league at changing games. Let's hope they do that. But he's, he's a proven mercenary. You need a one year deal guy that can give you 10 to 15 sacks, throw some money at Chandler Jones. He's, Basically what um, uh, Dwight Freeney became a bit late in his career, but just higher productivity uh, as a mercenary. Steve, the mile Highlander in the house, saying we need game changers on both sides of the team. Uh, Priest, keep us informed about A-Rod and Russell Wilson. So the, the skinny on Russell Wilson, hence the thumbnail and title of this particular episode, comes from Benjamin Albright at the end of last week saying that, yeah, the Broncos, you know, and he works for the team for what it's worth. It's indirectly, he works for KOA, which is owned by the Denver Broncos, all right? That's why you'll hear people in a derogatory sense call KOA state-sponsored media, blah, blah, blah. I don't really view it that way. I think if you listen to the content, the guys on the on the KOA are about as um, critical when it needs to be as anyone else out here in the media landscape, but I digress. Benjamin Albright, who's got sources, um, I mean, half the time I think he's talking to the freaking GM, he's so right so often, says that if the Broncos fall short on Aaron Rodgers or if A-Rod, you know, for whatever reason, retires or stays in Green Bay, they are going to more than just kick the tires on Russell Wilson. So that's plan A is Aaron Rodgers. Plan B, Russell Wilson. Plan C, that's what I'm really wondering at because both plan A and plan B, Zach, are just so improbable. Steve, appreciate you. Uh, the other caveat, though, is that Wilson is made available, and there's no indication so far that Seattle's going to trade him. They're in a hot seat year uh, for the head coach, Pete Carroll, and the GM, John Schneider. I think they don't want to tear down and rebuild in that situation. And like Ian Rappaport said, who you know he thinks he doesn't get Wilson's not going to get traded because they don't have a quarterback that gives them a better chance to win. Similar to Green Bay. Jordan Love is not the answer. Seattle doesn't have the answer. I don't think Russell's going anywhere. But you're right about the plan C. If not Drew Locker or a rookie, who are you plugging that hole with? Who is your next holdover if we're going that route once more? I had a guy on Twitter uh tweet me before the podcast about Gardner Minshew. I don't get the Gardner Minshew Colt fan club. I mean, he's not a guy that gives you upside. I'd rather spend a couple more bucks and get Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, just something, someone that gives you a little bit of upside and you can make uh, explosive plays happen. But maybe they swing for the fences with Kirk Cousins. Maybe they talk themselves into Matt Ryan or Jimmy G. It's it. There's a steep fall off from Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and the rest. And yeah. first two were looking unlikely. It's like, who do you pivot to after that? You go from the one percenter, you know, miracle, like I mentioned that, that Kurt Warner talked about, to still guys that overcame a heck of a lot of odds to get it to the NFL. But the, the gap that you'd have to bridge between that level of dudes and A-Rod or even Russell Wilson is, it's, it's more than a chasm. Michael Ronquillo is uh, flexing on his new Facebook profile pic, which he has entitled, Zach, Faith Family and Denver Football on nice. Mile High Huddle Podcast. Love it, dude. Keep it real in Tucson, my friend. That's all you need, baby. That's right. That is all you need. Rodney Garcia, are we pushing to get Adams? No. No. You don't push to get Adams unless you get Aaron Rodgers because you're loaded for bear at wide receiver uh, and you just spent 
fifty some odd million guaranteed on extending two wideouts in just in November. By the way, who was it? NFL.com, Cynthia Freeland saying, Oh, let's go around the league and look at uh, options for each team on how to clear up cap space. Oh, who could take a pay cut? Cortland Sutton. Are you freaking kidding? This dude's contract, the ink is still not dry. Like this was November, November, December, one month, uh, January, February, three month old contract. And you think there's a GM? I mean, we're not talking about a guy that took the money and then just like gave up on his team here. We're talking about a guy who took the money and then struggled right alongside everybody else in that offense to uh, try and lift a pair of not very good quarterback performances in 2021. And then to come to him and say, take a pay cut. Like this is that kind of canned, very not thought out, zero understanding of the local, what's actually going on on the ground type of national commentary that is just ridiculous. I was literally going to say it's another example of how clueless the national media is when it comes to the Broncos. We've been saying this for years now. Um, about Devontae Adams, even if they got Aaron, I know Aaron loves Devontae for good reason, but if he can't win with Jerry, Judy, Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fan, Albert O, Javante Williams, it's like that's a better supporting cast than you had in Green Bay with Devontae. He wants to be the highest paid receiver in NFL history, by the way, just like Aaron wants to be the highest paid quarterback. And Green Bay is, again, racing and slashing contracts, restructuring players to get enough cap space to make that happen. They have two priorities. They're going to gut the rest of the team, including the defense, to pay Aaron and to keep Devontae Adams. That's what's going to happen. Josh has got his push notifications set up, and he says through a very generous super chat, appreciate you, bro, just got an alert that the Washington Commanders are looking to jump in on a possible trade for Rodgers, looking to pay him $50 million per year. What do you guys think? I think that good luck. Um convincing the Packers to trade Aaron Rodgers in conference. I mean, we're talking about the guy who has presided over, is it four straight conference title games or three? Either way, many conference title games in a row, the road to the Super Bowl, even though it hasn't worked out for the Packers, has gone through Green Bay for the for the last few years. You're going to trade that guy and now make wherever he lands the road to the Super Bowl in your conference? No. I mean, this is where Indy screwed up, Zach, because – Back when they made the decision to cut Peyton Manning, they should have traded him because cutting him gave him the freedom to sign wherever he wanted. He ends up signing with the Denver Broncos, and they did who, who went on to be a huge thorn in their side in the conference for four years. Now, Indy got a one, uh, I don't know, stab in when they beat the Broncos, Peyton Manning and the Broncos in the divisional round at home in Denver. But those other three years, man tough that they had to compete against Peyton Manning if they would have traded him might have worked out maybe perhaps a little bit more in their favor but not in Denver's favor so you think you thank God for the uh, foolish decisions made by uh, pill popping billionaires uh, in the Midwest <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny what do I think I think the commanders is a stupid freaking name man like I like football team better than uh, commanders but um, we have to also keep in mind that Rodgers, based on the way they restructured his deal last year, he gets to handpick if he wants out where he's going and would he hinge his legacy on a, a dysfunctional franchise like Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders. I love Commanders in quotes, by the way. It's so perfect for that. So no, if it's, it seems like it's either Denver or Green Bay or retirement, and I'm leading toward Green Bay. I am too. I am too. And door number two? That's Russell Wilson, barring door number two, or if I should say, if door number two is barred, guys, we're staring down the barrel at Drew Locker, a draft pick in all likelihood, as far as the quarterback of choice. Now, that is unless, as Zach mentioned, you go throw a few dollars at Jameis Winston and hope that he can serve up a, you know, a smorgasbord of dubs that everybody can eat. I don't think that doesn't smack to me, Zach, of a pragmatic George Payton type of move. That's more of a, and I think, Honestly, he's probably going to end up back in New Orleans, but uh, it's probably going to be Drew Locke or a draft pick. And Daniel Jeremiah, Nick had the article for us today at milehighhuddle.com. He was asked in his pre, you know, before uh, Mike Mayock left media and joined the Raiders as GM, he would hold a pre-combine press conference to kind of field questions for the national and local media at large, Zach, and kind of help educate um, media who don't follow the draft beat every single day, 365 on this class and what, what you're expecting to see this coming week at the combine. Now 
in his place, it's Daniel Jeremiah. And so Daniel was asked, hey, which of this quarterbacks might fit what the Broncos are doing with Nathaniel Hackett? He pointed to he have the small hands himself, Kenny Pickett. So who knows, dude? It could it be Kenny Pickett and Drew Locke battling for the number one spot. If that's the case, come this summer in training camp, so be it. He also said that Malik Willis has the most upside for Nathaniel Hackett's system and for the Broncos. And let me, you know, I'm not advocating necessarily to go this route, but if the Broncos do, again, if Russell or Aaron, they don't work out, they don't want to spend a lot on Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan, at least if you go with Drew or you go with Kenny Pickett or you go with Malik Willis, there's upside there. You can you can debate how much upside there is, but upside is tangible. If you go with Jimmy Garoppolo, if you go with Carson Wentz, there's no upside there. Gardner Minshew, there's no upside. And that's what you want. I think that's what Hackett wants. He has a very young staff. They're all kind of growing together. They're building for the long term. They're building for sustainable success. I've been repeating that phrase since 2016. And I think they finally have the coaches in the building now and the GM that understands that. So if you go young, with a rookie or you go back to the drew lock. Well, you can maybe mine more wins than you would have. If you have the same old low bar, high floor, low ceiling, like a Bridgewater case Keenum, take your pick Joe Flacco. And you can add on to that list. If they go Jimmy Garoppolo and the rest, by the way, uh, Lewis Riddick of ESPN, former front office executive at two different NFL stops. And, uh, Talking head now for ESPN, he thinks anyone who might believe or hold on to any notion whatsoever uh, that Drew Locke could be a thing. Uh, let's see. Okay, what, did he call it? what did he call it? He called it a pipe dream. He called that a pipe dream. Okay. We, we, we can get into this, the, the actual comment here, but first let's grab Andrew Baker, legendary in our community. He says, what's up, priests and Broncos? Brethren can't stand NFL media. That's why I'm here. But Colin Cowherd said Carson Wentz is a good fit for us, kind of like Matthew Stafford. What do y'all think? I I think Wentz gets more hate than he deserves, to be frank with you. Um, and again, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, I know that contract that they acquired via that trade and all that. You know, you have to do the uh, value. You got to weigh the value of what you're getting on the field versus what it's costing your salary cap. But Careful what you wish for because he had that team as a as a viable playoff threat. And although it wasn't like crazy, Zach, his numbers were pretty efficient. Now he benefited from the best running back performance in the right. league, obviously, and that helped out a lot. But I don't know. I think I think Carson Wentz gets a lot more hate than is deserved. Now that's not me saying, yeah, I want to see him in Denver. Um, I think you bring Carson here, you've got maybe a slightly older version of Drew Locke. That's what you've got in Carson Wentz. So I don't I wouldn't really view him as a upgrade as far as the starter position by that much maybe a little bit over drew in terms of proven would you be upgrading the room sure but would you be upgrading the starter relative to drew with what you already have i'd have my doubts i think he's way less athletic too than drew lock and that's an area that of lock's game doesn't get enough credit his maneuverability in the pocket when doesn't have that anymore if he ever had it to begin with um, Andrew, you had the right idea. You know, you said you don't listen to the national blowhards, but then you cite what Colin Coward, who cares what Colin Coward says? I mean, they're going to just plug any hot veteran name to the Broncos because they're so desperate and annually on that quarterback carousel every single year. Um, Carson Wentz played decent football last year. I felt like he benefited, like you said, off play action with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the O-line was pretty good too with, uh, Quentin, Nelson there, but he melted down late in the season. They couldn't beat the Jaguars with the playoffs on the line. And yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a bad game in that game. So you have to ask yourself, is it worth the upside? Is there any upside there? Are you going to get two, three more wins by the sheer presence of Carson Wentz, or is it going to cost you wins? It's, I don't like that option at all. Especially if you got to trade for him. Um, might be different if they cut him and you can freely negotiate. But uh, by the way, on that super chat that was from, uh, Larry Patterson also asking about Carson Wentz. Appreciate that support, my friend. Um, all right, let me see here. Travis Weber, big T in the house. He says, good evening, Chad, Zach. Scott and Broncos country. I know Denver wants to upgrade at quarterback, but I feel that we already had our unicorn in Manning, and we are chasing two unattainable quarterbacks in Rodgers and Wilson. I would love to see it happen, but also looking in the glass as seeing it not happening. Unless you're okay with the idea of a Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan, if you want a, that veteran quarterback, 
I would just see what Hackett and company can do with Locke and draft a quarterback in 2023 rather than this year, just my two cents. I wouldn't hate it. I told you before, I, I would be bullish on the prospect of seeing what Hackett might be able to unlock in Drew. I mean, that's do you hang the whole destiny of your season on it? I don't know, but you kind of have to, I think, if you're going to commit to really trying to develop, finish the developmental curve of a young quarterback, because it's just like John Elway said back when he was just Hall of Fame just, but you get what I'm saying, when he was not an executive, but just the Hall of Fame quarterback, John Elway, said the only way for a quarterback to develop in this league is to play. Would Drew Locke, Zach, benefit from being in the classroom and the energy and all that stuff in the sideline with Hackett and his guys? Of course he would on some level, but it would not even come close to approaching how he could benefit from then also uh, playing under that level of coaching and tutelage and and, um, acumen, to be honest with you. So it's a rock and a hard place, but that's the problem. Outside of 2020, Zach, the Broncos have been reluctant to really commit to Drew. And when you're reluctant, when you're like kind of on the fence, you end up getting kind of on the fence results. Crapper, get off the pot. That's why the expression exists. If you do unlock Drew, I feel like you'd get more wins than you would if you employed a Garoppolo or a Carson Wentz. But the question is, can you do that? Is there anything left to unlock? Can Hackett do it? We don't know those those answers yet. Those are the million-dollar questions facing the Broncos. Among the quarterbacks listed in the last comment, though, I would be okay with Kirk Cousins, but I'm not okay with what it would cost to get Kirk Cousins. I feel like he'd be the best holdover of the bunch. You're talking about a top 11 quarterback when he's on his game, and that would give the Broncos more wins, and there's a little upside there. But regardless, if you have to go with Drew Locke and there's upside there, or you take a quarterback and you're banking on that, a dual threat guy maybe, like Malik Willis, if you got the right guys, which George Payton is confident they do, we're confident they do, the fan base is confident they do, then that's more important for long-term success, which is the goal. For what it's worth, guys, in case you missed the Saturday night show, Mile High Insiders, Lewis Riddick of ESPN had this to say. And Zach, I want you to try and view this. Let's steel man his argument, okay? Meaning that let's let's view it from a position of truth, what he's saying is the truth, rather than trying to to dissect it. Um, and then on the other end of that, we'll reverse engineer and see if it's if it's a strong argument. He says, quote, Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drew Locke has shown that he's not a guy that right now can compete with Patrick Mahomes. He is not a guy who can compete with Justin Herbert. And we don't know how Derek Carr is going to look under Josh McDaniels at Las Vegas, but that is not how the Broncos want to go into this season and going forward at the quarterback position. Obviously, yeah, you're right. Quarterback coaches, head coaches, offensive coordinators are going to say all the right things because they don't know whether that guy is going to be on their team or whether or not they're going to use him as a trade piece for the next team in order to acquire someone. So he is going to say all the positive things, talking about Justin Outen and then, of course, 
Clint Kubiak. We haven't heard anything really from Hackett on Drew Locke. Close quote. So, Zach, your thoughts on this. Is there any truth to it? And uh, let's let's try and dive into this just a little bit. It's hard to be objective when the quote in front of me is not objective. It's the furthest thing from that. There's so much bias, and you can feel it seething off those words. I mean, you talk about a quarterback that can compete with Patrick Mahomes. I'd love to ask, Lewis, what quarterback would you suggest the Broncos could have that can compete with Patrick Mahomes? Mahomes is pretty damn good. Um, Drew Locke beat Justin Herbert. You know, uh, you know when they faced each other, so I feel like he can compete with him. And you're really going, we don't know how Derek Carr is going to fare with McDaniels or Las Vegas. You're staking your reputation on this point, on Josh McDaniels working out. I just feel like he's so set, Riddick is, in his ways against Drew Locke, and he's entitled to his opinion, of course, but there's nearly no way of convincing someone that's that afflicted with LDS. There's no changing their minds at all. That's what I was going to say is, look, on the Patrick Mahomes side of it, it's hard to refute it. Although in two of the, let's see, we got one crack at Mahomes in year one. Did he play? Yeah, he's pretty sure he played both games in 20 and then one game this past season. So four games. He's lost them all. Broncos haven't beat the Chiefs since week two of 2015. But in two of those games, Locke played well enough for the team to have a chance, but you've got guys like Melvin Gordon fumble or, you know, little things like that happen that swing it in the critical moments in the second half. But if I'm going to give any validity, Zach, if I'm going to validate anything he said here, it's that first line. And like you said, who can? Very few teams can really go toe-to-toe with Mahomes. Now, Justin Herbert, Drew's one and two against the LA Chargers with Herbert, came back, um, from a 21-point deficit, the, their first meeting to emerge victorious and then lost later in the season and then lost uh, pretty handily in this last uh, game, if I remember right, Zach, to, toward the end of 2021. Derek Carr, look, the, the freaking Raiders swept the Broncos last year. I mean, it was brutal. One of those games was against Drew Locke. Um, Drew's got one win against the Raiders and three losses. I want to say he's one and three. Against Should have at least two if Fangio's defense didn't let him down late in the game. But but that but exactly. So that leads to my point is how much of the you know you can look at Drew Locke's record as you know against the Chiefs, against the Chargers, against the Raiders, and go you can attribute that purely to Drew Locke, or you can also try and find a little bit of nuance and say now what would Drew Locke going against those guys look like? The Bronco led Drew Locke with better coaching with just a more cohesive unit with more uh, congruence as an organization, more of a unified front. I mean, if anything, the Broncos were a very disjointed team under Vic Fangio the last three years. So there is some validity to what he says here, but as you say, Zach, it is absolutely dripping with locked arrangement syndrome. So to me, it's, it goes out the window. I can't really take it all that serious, even though Riddick is a, you know, he's not just a talking head, even though that's what he's collecting his check on now. He is a former front office personnel guy, served as pro uh, director of pro personnel for two different clubs. If there is validity in it, you know, it's all surface level to me. I mean, he points out, in other words, what else are the coaches going to say? Well, what are, what are you expecting them to say? Come out and bash Drew Locke? I mean, they said the talking points that you'd, you'd expect from a coaching staff that's just getting to know Drew and watching the tape and getting familiar with him. I thought Clint Kubiak's comments were pretty eye-opening myself. Um, but I've been guilty of this too when, I, when I've written about uh, a player that I didn't think is playing too well for the Broncos or doesn't have a future. When you're so ingrained in your distaste or you, your own bias for that player, it sways your thinking. No amount of logic can get you out of that mindset. No amount of reason, no amount of, well, hold on, let's look at the other side of the coin is going to change Riddick's mind. But he's another person who really doesn't matter in the grand scheme. It's how Drew Locke plays. It's what George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett think. Point blank. Here's a little bit more context in this uh, TV hit that Riddick said about the Broncos more in general. He said, quote, this is a team set up to win. This is a team that has a strong offensive line, has a strong running game, has one of the better young tight ends in the NFL in Noah Fant, has Tim Patrick at wide receiver, has Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, has a defense that can rush the passer. I don't know about that, buddy. People that can <laughs> pick the ball off. Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in the NFL. Patrick Sertan, one of the best young corners in the NFL. All surface level analysis. They have a lot of nice pieces now. You don't want to have – 
it all go to waste because you're sitting there, you know, selling pipe dreams about a quarterback that you know can't get the job done. When they know the Broncos, they have to make a swing when they know that. And a big swing at getting the big fish. And the big fish for this football team is that guy that we can talk about who is going on a 12-day cleanse, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's he says some things that are true here in terms of no fan, one of the better young tight ends. Same with Pat, uh, Timmy P and Sutton and, and Judy. Can't uh, rush the passer, though, my dog. There's, I mean, you just can't rush the passers. Anyway, surface stuff doesn't like drew thinks it's a pipe dream to even try and imagine that the broncos think that like he can't fathom that the broncos would think that makes you wonder a little bit so this is mr lewis riddick's solution to fixing the quarterback problem in denver trade for aaron Rodgers. you know that happens so often in the nfl blockbuster trades for hall of fame quarterbacks that his I respect him as an analyst. I respect him for what he's done in the NFL as a front office scout or whatever. Um, I do not care what he says about Drew Locker or the Broncos. He His argument fell apart like you just pointed out when he talked about the pass rush. They just they fall back on the previous reputation of the Broncos from 2016 on. It's that they've had a good defense. They've never had a quarterback. And I bet you, I will bet you actual dollars and cents that Lewis Riddick, if you asked him, he thought Teddy did a good job last year for Denver. Guaranteed. By the way, Jacob Foster, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for those stars. For what it's worth, guys, this is what I was talking about. Carson Wentz and Indy started all 17 games through 27 tutties and to seven picks. Now, not numbers you're writing home about, Zach, per se, but would you not kill for that if you're a Bronco fan? That level of production from your quarterback? I mean, there's always nuance. After all, Teddy Bridgewater's agent's going to be able to go out there saying he had a career high last year in Denver, throwing 18 touchdowns. And you're going, career high, how many? 18. Oh, you know, hang up the phone. I don't need to uh, hear any more about this conversation because uh, I know the score with Teddy. Eric Weber, what's up? Uh, Plan C and beyond for quarterback sucks, and we're just wasting this talented roster for another year. Maybe, dude. But even if that's the case, Zach, 2023 has some real bona fide QB solutions. Yeah, but if you're betting on Hackett working out and Outen and Clint Kubiak and and all of them, everyone they've hired and Evero and every other coach they've brought in, they can maximize the talent. I mean, you said talented roster, but if you put in a better quarterback than a Teddy Bridgewater and you put in a better quarterback to be fair and objective, unlike Mr. Riddick, better than Drew Locke, you're going to win more games by default. You're going to win more games by default of having a better coaching staff. So I wouldn't write this year off if they can't get Aaron, they can't get Russell Wilson. If they go with Drew or they sign Jameis Winston, for example, if they draft Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, if Hackett's the real deal and this roster stays healthy, they will win some ball games. Mark it down now. Shane has a question, and thank you, Shane. How come no one wants to mention cheaper options like Minshew or Mitchell Trubisky? Because they're bad, that's why. And and we mentioned uh, Minshew early in the show. I'll tell you, I don't hate the idea of Minshew. Like, let's say you're really on plan C here, Zach, and it's Drew Locke, and you've got to bring someone in that's plausible threat uh, to beat him in a competition and someone who could, if Drew sucks or goes down, can step in. Like, I wouldn't absolutely hate Minshew in that role, but I'm not about going out there, Zach, trying to throw dollar-dollar bills at Gardner Minshew as some kind of plausible upgrade solution at quarterback. And Mitchell Trubisky, I'm sorry, I am 100%. The way you feel probably about Gardner Minshew is how I feel about <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I, I can. I, I feel the both, both, you know, both about the same players. I think Trubisky is going to uh, the Giants, though, to reunite with Brian Dayball. Apparently, they're not sold on Daniel Jones, so uh, maybe Trubisky starts there and resurrects his career. I don't know. Minshew, you know, you mentioned him being a Band-Aid or maybe being like on a Teddy Bridgewater level, hold the fort and keep the ship afloat. Is it worth, I understand he'd be cheap, but is it worth the baggage? And I mean that the hype, whatever, surrounding Garner Minshew. I mean, this is a guy, every play he makes is always scrutinized one way or the other. He just has that, for whatever reason, following. I don't think that's what the Broncos need. I don't think it's what Hackett wants, Peyton wants. You're that's only tolerable if you're putting up numbers like a Mahomes who has Jackson Mahomes to deal with or Aaron Rodgers going on 12-day cleanses. You can have that type of uh, bombastic personality if you get the job done on the field. 
Minshew is a backup quarterback. The Broncos have failed enough with backup quarterbacks. It's time to go a different route. Um, <laughs> it's really weird as far as that hype you mentioned that Minshew has for a guy that literally achieved nothing in the NFL. He's had some games. Don't get me wrong. Uh, at least he had a mullet. That was the hype. Like, <laughs> like Quinn Miners with the belly. It just he gets carried away sometimes. Tim Tebow, okay. the the mania is is similar, but not on the same scale. I get this, the Minshew mania and Tebow mania. But uh, at least Tebow, you know, he brought you a division title and he won you a playoff game in his one time. Dude, by the way, watching that episode two behind the Broncos or whatever, uh, I think that's what they're calling it from the uh, team site. Dude, there's a there's a scene where Tim Tebow meets up with uh, George Payton and Darren Moogie at a Florida game this past fall. My dude has definitely not been skimping on his uh, pull-ups, sit-ups. That dude's freaking arm, bro, is like this. Like he's way more yoked than he was even as a player. Like he's just massive cat. I couldn't believe how freaking yoked he was in that. How about uh, Hackett drawing up the play though? Just to hear him yeah, talk yeah, yeah. offense That's is cool. great. It's so refreshing good. after Pat Shermer. What did he say? That freaking Tugalicious. Tugalicious, yeah. Tugalicious. Love it. Uh, Josh N. with an extremely generous super Thank chat. You, Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, he says, this quarterback class seems weak. I hate the draft one next year. Um, you know, philosophy. Class looks better now. Probably will stay that way. But who knows in a year? We're never bad enough to get a top three or four pick where those top QB prospects usually go. Just got to trust Peyton. Well, I mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't a top three pick. Neither was Deshaun Watson. Um, first round is typically where quarterbacks are hit on. I mean, look at Lamar. Late first round, big time hit. Um, you don't necessarily need to be in the top three or four, Josh, for what it's worth. But I feel you, uh, your overall point here, what you're trying to make you know, the 2013 quarterback class, Zach, is widely viewed over the last decade as the worst quarterback class. E.J. Manuel, Mike Glennon, uh, who's the other guy? Anyway, it was Bortles? very – for it was utter – who? Bortles? No, but it was for utterly forgettable. I don't think this class is going to end up in the – through the lens of, you know, time as being as bad as that 2013 class. There will be one or two guys from this class that have – a modicum of staying power question is divining which of this group that's going to be. If I had to put dollars on it right now, Zach, I'd probably say that it's Malik Willis ends up being a little something, something out of this class. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he's got all the bust qualities that you look for <laughs> or that you guard against in a toolsy raw, explosive twitched up athlete, at quarterback that is in desperate needs still of refinement. You know, a lot of times those guys just don't pan out. You you fall in love with the tools, and it's just too too much that has to be put together. And the NFL, man, it's a pressure cooker. It doesn't have time to wait four years for your first-round quarterback to uh, figure out the game. So, I don't know. I like him. I like Kenny Pickett, but I, I want to see more about the hands. I want to find some more information out about that. Hopefully we get to the bottom of that at the Combine. But I don't love any quarterback in this class. No, but you got to keep swinging until you hit a home run and you find that franchise guy. If you don't get an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you know, you talk about toolsy, uh, high upside guys that you can work with. Desmond Ritter, you know, Ellerby. There, there's some solid, yeah. there's some solid quarterbacks I might want to take a gamble on. Not at number nine necessarily, maybe not in the first round at all. But you don't have to be a top three, four pick. Look at Josh Allen. Look at Russell Wilson. These aren't top three or four picks. Aaron Rodgers, for example. Yeah. I mean. Most of the quarterbacks that we've mentioned that we talked about that we all want were not top three or four picks, but you've got to take the chance until you have that guy. I'm not about plugging the holes every single year. It'd be great if you get Aaron, but what are you going to do when he hangs it up? What if he plays two years? Then you're left with nothing on the roster. You have to have the next guy waiting in the wings. You have to have that long-term guy. I want a Mahomes on the Broncos. I want a Herbert on the Broncos. I want a Burrow. I want a franchise quarterback. I want to have that for the long term, not two two years or so. T twice, aka Travis Tarbox, saying good evening. Haven't been on social media in the last few days. Any news yet? No, not in the news that you're thinking of, my friend. Unfortunately, um, Scott did some uh, number crunching for us, by the way, on Gardner Minshew. Forty-one tutties to twelve picks in twenty-two career starts, and that's not bad. That's not bad. You can uh, 
you can get by with that, but go back to the Lewis Riddick argument. Can Minshew would Minshew give you a better option to compete against those AFC West um, right. rivals than Drew Locke? To me, it'd be probably sixes. But there's an argument to say Gardner Minshew has proven more as a pro than Drew. And I think it's pretty clear that you know, and his Drew hasn't been in a great situation either. Is Gardner Minshew and most, especially in Jacksonville, found a way to make hay statistically, but outside of a win that I can recall against the Broncos as a rookie in 2019, you know, Minshew hasn't really been able to move the needle for any of the clubs that have, uh, have rostered him. So anyway, but that is a little bit eye-opening, Zach, 41 tutties to 12 picks. Well, Minshew, he's not named Drew Locke, so he's going to look better in Lewis Riddick's eyes and any Drew Locke hater's eyes. As long as he's not Drew Locke, he's an upgrade. So I just, whatever. If you look at the context of the games, though, I got two words for you. Garbage time. You know, you, it's not just you, you don't, I don't want to be surface level and be a hypocrite. Look at those stats and say, okay, he's a viable starting quarterback. Watch the games and really ask yourself why. If he was a true franchise guy, why isn't he a franchise quarterback right now? He's bouncing from team to team, doesn't have a future. There's a reason for that. He's a backup. Hates to pop the bubble. Although he's got a very uh, unique relationship with his old man, apparently. We, we, we covered that late last season. Man, those guys have a very intense father son. Um, unspoken thing going on there. I'll take Aaron who doesn't talk to his family over Gardner <laughs> Minshew, who's tight with his father. I don't care about that. GLP says, I'm okay with Locke this year. The Broncos need to draft someone every year until we find that guy. And I'm cool with that, dude. I'm cool with Thank that. You. It's not a philosophy, GLP, like Aaron Rodgers has right now, where it's like, hey, I'm a proven guy. Use your first round picks to help me. Let's go win something, right? This is a, you, you keep piling wood on the fire till you finally get the conflagration you take swings what's the Wayne Gretzky you miss 100% of the shots you don't take I mean it's not like the Broncos have sat on their hands and done nothing with quarterbacks in the draft I mean first round pick on Paxton Lynch in 16 bust uh let's see I guess Drew was the next kind of premium round pick in 19 and then they've spent a lot of money uh on free agents and trades trying to find a, a stop gap and but I think you really need to just draft a quarterback because one of the things about drafting a quarterback in the first round, Zach, for better or for worse, and by the way, thank you, Michael, love you, big doc, is it kind of ties the team's hands. In other words, it makes them kind of have to commit to a quarterback. When you're a second round pick, a third round pick, a quarterback you signed off the street, depending on the dollars you threw at them, coaches have a plausible out. Hey, we're going to play the guy that gives us the best chance to win. And they can always say that regardless, but fans want to see that first round quarterback sooner than later. Coaches want to see that first round quarterback. GMs want to see that first round quarterback. So you see more of a emphasis, more of an investment, more of a initial strong push and commitment when it's a first round quarterback. And I would love to see what that looks like for the Denver Broncos. Cause even freaking Paxton Lynch couldn't get that from Gary Kubiak, right? He couldn't get a commitment from anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just dabbed in 2022. Um, yeah, you you got to go for the franchise guy. And I was even thinking if they do get Aaron Rodgers and you bring back Drew Locke, I'm still drafting a quarterback. Maybe not in the first round, but a flyer in the second or the third. You got to have the long term answer. That's what I hope. I hope and pray. We talked about the Elway thinking of paying stopgap quarterback, trading for Flacco and Keenum and the like, and. Uh, it didn't work. It's time to try something new. They kind of they put their toe in the water with Drew Locke, and I feel like they got they didn't like how it felt. But it's time to jump in the deep end. You can put on water wings if you want, float as if you want. It's time to get in the deep end and take a shot. I think the the upside is worth it. And you know what? Even if you don't draft the quarterback in round one, and it ends up being Drew, fine. But like, go all in on it. Commit to that as a solution under a non-pandemic influenced year and with coaches who care and coaches who are dynamic personalities, all this. That's so sad. Coaches who care. Could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, who, who knows what Drew Locke could have been if he lands, if, if Rich Gangarello doesn't get fired, as an example. You, you know, we can go down that road forever. But Shane Tuttle, thank you for that very generous super chat, my friend. We are at 50 minutes, so we're about out of time here. But Shane says, evening, boys. A-Rod is just too much. Picks, money. 
You're just setting yourself up for trouble. It takes patience, but we need to build it the right way through the draft. Even if the queue comes next year, don't rush to failure. That's a good that's a good line. I like that. Don't rush to failure. There's some interesting um, inferences you can draw from that one-liner. That's what I think Vic Fangio did last year with Teddy Bridgewater. And do you want the Broncos to make the same mistake? Do you want to go down that path again after just failing that path going down that route? And do you want to plug in a Carson Wentz, Jimmy G, these types? They're just holdovers. They're not going to get you to where you want to be. So I'm right there with you. At this point, it seems like the Rodgers dream is deceased and the Broncos have to move on. $50 million contract annually, giving up multiple first-round draft picks and players. It's a bridge too far for George Payton. Again, his motto is always aggressive, but not reckless. I think going all in on A-Rod, considering the price tag and everything, that would be a little reckless. Uh, Jeremy's trying to flex over here saying about about bought a Shelby Mustang GT500 till I saw that super unleaded. I feel it right here. Five bucks a gallon. Yeah. Don't get us started. I have a Mustang too, and it's it's bad. It, it needs gas every other day, but gas is like a dollar fifty more than it was a year and a half ago. But I digress. John Juno, appreciate you, my friend, on that super chat. He says, if we do draft a Q, who's your top guy? Um, right now, it's probably Malik Willis for me, um, but I don't like him at nine. You know, Malik Willis, if you trade back a little in the first round, but someone else will swoop up and grab him. So. I don't know, man. It's still a very convoluted topic to me. You know, it's like I'm weighing, do I want to, what's more appealing? Taking Malik Willis at nine or maybe at like 12 if you trade down or whatever, or using a second on a guy like Desmond Ritter and banking on that upside. I kind of like what um, the Vikings did last year, speaking of George Payton, um, drafting Kellen Mond, even though they've had uh, Kirk Cousins under contract. Mond, his upside was, he kind of reminds me of Desmond Ritter in that sense. So uh, either route they go, though, I would be excited about it if they went that route. Because there's, again, I hate to keep using the word, but upside, ceiling, potential, whatever word you want to use, it would be there. I'm really intrigued to see how some of these guys test and look at the combine, uh, including Ritter. It's going to be, you know, one week from today, I think my evaluations on these quarterbacks, the way I feel about each guy will be a little bit more solid because we'll know by then as far as combine testing. Jeremy says, would you rather draft an inside uh, interior defensive lineman or an edge rusher in the first round? I feel like our DL, our D-line did not do enough to help our pass rush at the same time we need someone. For me, that's, I mean, unless you see J.J. Watt or Aaron Donald, I'm not drafting, at least not in the top 15 defensive line. Um, For me, it's edge, dude. Get me an edge rusher at pick nine depending on what happens at quarterback again, you know, but maybe right now, if you put a gun to my head, I'm saying trade back from pick nine stockpile, a couple extra picks. And then let's see where you fall to. Do you fall to 15? Do you fall to 20, 22, somewhere in there? And then that would probably be a better, I feel better about getting the right value regardless of what direction you go prospect wise or position wise just a few position, just a few spots in the draft back that nine right now. I mean, there's some great prospects, you know, some great tackles that if they fall, they're going to be worth that pick. Um, but edge and edge as well. There's a few edges that if they're there, you maybe you just don't look that gift horse in the mouth. You just take it. But for me, it's edge over D de- uh, interior defensive line. Yeah. You got to, you, you might want to double up on edge rushers in this draft class. That's how important of a need it is. And I'm not, the biggest Karloftis fan or Thibodeau fan, I, I I just would kind of be wary about taking them at number nine. So if you do trade back, what's nice, because you already have two seconds and two thirds, that would give you even more ammo if you want to come back up at the end of the first round, maybe for a quarterback, maybe for a right tackle, maybe for an inside linebacker. I would not be opposed at all if George Payton um, thinks 40 chess-wise and moves back a few spots but gains capital in the process. All right, guys, we got time for one or two more. Shout out to Claude. Thank you, buddy, for the stars. And yes, indeed, go Broncos. Jacob Foster throwing down. Love it. And John, we didn't forget your question. So thank you for that second super chat, big dog. Hopefully we uh, we answered that. Um, Mike Berry saying Drew Locke's going to be the guy. He's going to shock everyone. We'll see. Under a new offense, new coaches, we'll see. Not allowed here? You are allowed here, and you know this, big dog. Thank you. What year and model Mustang do you got, Zach? Uh, 2020 fastback. It's uh, 
I don't know. It was a little more <laughs> bland and standard than I wanted, but I like the color I got. And uh, what color? It's uh, red. Let's take a look at this this uh, warlock red. What was it again? Fastback. Fastback twenty twenty. Let's have a look at this warlock for people. They can see. I got the blackout package, so black rims. I mean, looks pretty dope to me. Let's 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 check this out. You know, uh, when you have five kids, you can't really roll with the uh, sports cars because you, you run out of seatbelts pretty dat gum quick. But hey, look at this. Oh man, I just realized I'm on a different. I can't do my touch screen. So let me do this. Ah, then it gets pixelated. But does that look like it's, it, Zach? No, nah, it's the other red. Oh, it's the blackout. This one. This one. Yep. Dope. With uh, black rims. Dope. Yeah. Not not dope right. at the pump, though, for sure. I think that's going to do it for tonight, folks. Let me just double check here. Uh, Zach, why don't yeah? Scott says it's arrest me, Red. <laughs> you know, I remember when uh, I was 20 years old, thereabouts. I got my first, you know, took out the, for the first time a loan on a car. Or right, as the first time a bank willingly loaned me money, and. I decided to get, you know, keep in mind, this is like 99, 2000. I got this ridiculous uh, Honda, red Honda Civic hatchback that was dropped and the windows were tinted. And as soon as I, and it had one of those stupid loud mufflers. And then as soon as I got it, I put a bunch of band stickers on the back window. And then I'm always wondering why the cops keep harassing me, dude. Why do I keep getting pulled over? I'm, I'm minding my own business. Like, uh, man, the difference between, um, Wisdom and knowledge experience. Yeah. My first car was a uh, red Suzuki. Uh, I think it was an Outback. It was a um, it was a, ha a hatchback. Suzuki uh, Reno hatchback. And I put, I, I was like you, it was my first car. So I was like, I put the tin on it. I put the HID headlights on it. I had two massive speakers in the back, constantly bumping rap music. I was a target uh, for sure. But I haven't been pulled over in my new Mustang yet. So let's see. Uh, Knock wood. All right, guys. Zach, if you want to do the rundown, I'm gonna I'm gonna say hi to everybody. Make sure everyone gets their shout outs. Nice to get some car talk in tonight. But that was the Huddle Up podcast, guys. Until we see you guys next, which is tomorrow evening, Monday evening, for another episode of the Huddle Up Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want a hat like Chad and I are wearing, a shirt. Um, a hoodie, a coffee cup, anything like that, go to huddleuppod.com. That is our merch site right there in front of you, huddleuppod.com, and get yourself some swag right now. And facebook.com slash huddle. Hit that big blue button, become a supporter of VIP content every single week. And also facebook.com slash pod. Like that page and follow that page. If you haven't, guys, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win. Could be a hat, could be anything that we desire for you guys each and every single month. But if you can't do those things, do these three things, please, guys, subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. By the way, you guys have been crushing the five-star reviews, and it helps. It goes a long way. I mean, two months in a row, we've had 100,000 downloads on Apple Podcasts. That's in part anyway due to you guys chipping in and, and giving your testimonials on how you like the show and giving us a high rating like that tells Apple and the, uh, you know, algo bots at Apple to put that show, put our show in front of other Bronco fans like you that are searching for content, or maybe they're listening to this Bronco pod and they're going to suggest this to them. So it all helps out. And we appreciate you guys. Uh, shout out to these great supporters on Facebook. And yes, guys, in case you missed it, we did hit the goal. So Wednesday, we will be raffling off a jersey for our Facebook community. Uh, the way it finished tonight, these are folks that are uh, bolstering their position in terms of the raffle. Andrew Baker at the very top tonight, tied with Steve F. Armstrong. Uh, then it goes T. Twice, Jacob Foster, GLP, Claude Riley, Shane Spath, Travis Weber, Eric Weber, probably no relation, but same spelling, Jermaine Daughtry, Mike Reno, Rodney Garcia, Wyatt Horning, and then on YouTube, great Super Chat superstars, including Josh, the OA Boy 90, Larry Patterson, John Juno, Josh N., Shane Tuttle, and not allowed here. 
Much love and respect. Appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, have a good rest of your weekend. We'll see you tomorrow night. Take care, guys. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 